I know you had increased patrols over the Fourth of July weekend. How did that? How did that pan out? You know, the Fourth of July was uh, it, overall things went well. We did have a lot of calls, um, some domestic violence calls, uh, drunk driving calls, made a few arrests. Uh, as you can imagine, a uh, lot of fireworks calls, especially after the allowable hour. So patrol was pretty busy going call to call to those. But overall, uh, I think it was a generally a, uh, a good weekend. Uh, it was safe for the most part. Uh, we did have some a motor vehicle crash that had a person uh, killed. That was on the 5th, though, um, and it was really kind of unrelated to the 4th. But overall, um, weekend calls were, were busy, but as expected and staffed appropriately and the fireworks calls so when what when did the allowable time end on that um i believe it would have ended at 1 a.m on the 5th on the 5th and so the allowable time after that that's that's no longer the allowable time correct so anytime then you have uh uh, concussive fireworks are going off, you know, the kind that go or make loud uh, booms. And, you know, they're going to be bothering people. They're loud. Uh, and so they start calling us to start giving people some warnings. And, and uh, there was, you had mentioned drunk driving. And now I had, I had wondered because I think the state troopers have the ready report right Did they they do and ready report uh is actually uh it's a term it's i believe it's my understanding across the the country uh, it's not specific to troopers but we have it in alaska and we actually use it as well it just okay. uh, report every drunk driver immediately uh, and the idea is it's a national campaign to encourage people to call and report uh drunk diving and allows people to remain anonymous and so how would it work? You would uh, you would see somebody you think is driving dangerously and call it in? Correct. Yeah. And then our dispatcher would probably ask some specific questions like, you know, make modern vehicle, direction of travel, location. And that way we can get an officer in, in that area as soon as possible to try to um, see how the vehicle is driving. Mm. And I saw that the department had put out a reminder about roadside emergency vehicles what is the over rule move over rule yeah you know alaska although we don't may don't might not have a technical term calling it the move over law uh, that's kind of the general term that they use across the country uh, most states have a law that requires vehicles when approaching stopped or stationary emergency vehicles that have their lights activated on a roadway uh, and when you can safely change lanes you're required to change out of that a lane that's immediately closest to the emergency vehicle uh move over to the other lane and safely pass. And it just creates a buffer or safety barrier. So when the uh, emergency responder uh, is out there working, they can do so without cars going right by them, uh, which can be pretty dangerous. And so what scenarios on the side of the road would, would there be? where yeah. this would come into effect um specifically um you know police officers doing traffic stops on the side of the road uh fire and ems personnel maybe stopped with vehicles or on, on crashes um another one people forget a lot about uh and it's a very dangerous time is tow trucks uh, tow trucks out there uh impounding vehicles or helping somebody who uh maybe their vehicle is disabled and yeah they have some flashing lights but they might not have other vehicles out there to, to help support them and People just need to know is you still have to vacate those lanes for those vehicles throughout their performance of service uh, they have their emergency lighting equipment going on uh, we need to 
create some space for those people to do the work. Um, and, and there are other vehicles that uh, fall in that same category, you know, um, but just remember if you got a vehicle out there, the emergency lights are flashing, try to vacate the lane closest to them as safely as possible to allow them to safely work. And then also if they're behind you on Egan too, huh? Yeah, correct. If uh, you are driving down the road and uh, hopefully you know, you're not the one getting pulled over or there's an emergency going on with you. But let's say in an ambulance. Is yeah, an ambulance. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, please fire uh, ambulance. If they have their lights going, they're approaching you, you're required to vacate that lane and actually pull over uh, off of the side of the road and to create as wide as open as possible on the roadway so those vehicles can get to whatever emergency they're, they're headed to. Mm-hmm. And... Well, on this topic of uh, driver safety, I suppose um, August is coming up, and we know the first day of school is going to be coming up with that. So I, I suppose it bears repeating. What's the rule on buses, school buses? Yeah, so buses, uh, anytime someone's approaching a school bus and that has their emergency lights a- activated and has their um, stop sign extended, uh, typically that's done when they're picking up or dropping off uh, kids. And so it's really important that uh, vehicles stop for them. So as they approach those vehicles, those lights and the stop signs out, they need to stop and wait till the vehicle uh, or the bus has taken down their stop sign. The lights are no longer activated. And that's a uh, cue to drivers to know that, hey, the kids are safely on the bus or off the bus and they can proceed driving. Um, it's really important because uh, safety of the kids, but then also uh, violations for that is it can actually be a criminal offense for running school bus um, stop signs. That, does that change in severity or? Um, it can if, uh, basically if we can identify the, the vehicle, the owner of the vehicle can be fined for uh, the violation if you can identify the vehicle and the driver, it can be then become a criminal offense uh, as a class B misdemeanor. And so coming back to move over, uh, when does it become a violation then? When you drive past them at a high speed or or when, when would it become, like I said, a violation? Yeah, so for the, uh, the failing to vacate the lanes or the move over uh, rule, yeah, if you fail to vacate that lane um, or slow down, if you can't save, because I mean, sometimes you just can't, there's too much traffic, can't safely move over, and that's understandable, but you're still required to slow down. So if either you fail to uh, move over as required or fail to slow down as required, then you be cited, and that's just an infraction. Um, but if a crash occurs or injury occurs because of someone failing to do that, then that could actually become uh, a misdemeanor offense. Oh, wow. Um, is that something when, because uh, I believe you've been out on patrol in the past, right, as an officer? That's correct, yeah. Is this something you would see in your time? Occasionally. Uh, and sometimes it happens, you know, whether people just aren't paying attention or they might just might not know the rules. And, you know, you might be doing a stop on the roadway or a traffic stop on the roadway or helping out with a motor vehicle crash. Or a lot of times we even will uh, provide um, lighting support for uh, tow trucks as they work on the roadway just to create a little bit of extra barrier. And so you do see it occasionally. Uh, it can be very dangerous because vehicles are going by uh, people working at a high rate of speed. You know, even if they're going the speed limit, 55 miles an hour on Egan Drive, going past somebody who's, you know, three, four feet away, 
isn't a good feeling. So we really try to remind the uh, public that, hey, this law is out there, because uh, sometimes people forget about it. Yeah, the law's out there, please be aware of it. Uh, I think common sense would say, hey, nobody wants a vehicle driving right by them at a high rate of speed, but just be aware, you know, try to avoid distractions so you can see what's on the roadway and help other people be safe. Mm-hmm. Very good. And any tips for uh, the folks on a different lane of travel, uh, pedestrians? Yeah, pedestrian uh, safety is always very important. Uh, Pedestrian safety, as well as all vulnerable roadway users. But, um, you know, for drivers, always be out there, uh, be looking for pedestrians. Expect pedestrians to be on the roadway when you're driving so you're not uh, startled, you know. Uh, make sure to stop at stop sign so you can fully see left, right, what's in front of you. Make sure there's nothing hidden in any of the pillars of your cars. Uh, proceed cautiously. Give pedestrians the right away when you see them. Uh, and drive at a safe, prudent speed. You know, avoid distractions, all those standard things. You know, stay off cell phones so you can concentrate on the roadway. Um, and then, you know, always a reminder for pedestrians and ever other roadway users is, um, yeah, you might have the right away sometimes. And some vehicles may not stop. It's, it's your best interest always to be an advocate for yourself. Uh, think of your safety uh, before, you know, crossing a roadway. So look left, look right. Don't cross until vehicles see you. Don't cross when it's dark and there's no lighting or you're not wearing illuminated uh, uh, clothing. Uh, so it's easier to see you crossing crosswalks, those types of things. Uh, it's only going to get darker the next couple yeah months so and you know i think we've all seen uh pedestrians crossing and you know they're not making eye contact with vehicles that's one thing i always try to do if i'm walk across the street i want to make eye contact with the driver so they see me and i want to make sure that they stop because uh i might have the right away but if that vehicle ain't stopping it is not going to do me any good so we mm-hmm. need to protect ourselves as well and something i had wondered was jaywalking is that still a thing in, in very, put it, to put it in very crude terms is that still a thing you but. know it's not uh I, I could be wrong it's not something i've ever dealt with uh in the 20 years i've been here so i don't believe it's a thing as far as uh, is it a violation for jaywalking like it is in yeah. some states uh but crossing the crosswalk is generally where at uh place on the roadway where you have the right of way to be on the roadway, it's typically uh, at a safer location than just you know running blindly across the street, maybe around a quarter or something like that. Um, and it's always a, a better to cross in a crosswalk if you can. Yeah. Ideally, ones that have maybe some kind of uh, light mechanism, there are flashing lights, or maybe a traffic roadway system. But yeah, try to always cross in a crosswalk. I was thinking because sometimes there's that situation where the crosswalk's a little bit down that way, but I could just cross right here. Yep. So I didn't. I, I've wondered whether or not that's a problem. Yeah, it's it's really not. I mean, downtown you see it a little more often because you get a little more people on foot. Uh, I always tell people too, if you are going to cross, whether it's a crosswalk or you know you take you know because some people don't they cross without a crosswalk. I understand that. Um, cross as quickly as you can. You know, based on your ability, if you can run across the road, run across the road because it, it's going to be a little bit safer for you. But um, but make sure you're looking left and right and all that. Yep. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back. And we're back with Police Lieutenant Craig Campbell. I, I guess I need to get to know a little bit more about you since 
I had to double check whether or not you were a patrol officer. <laughs> when did you join the department? Um, so I enjoyed the I joined the department in August of 2002. So I'll be coming up on my 20th year uh, here next month. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So when did you get to lieutenant? So I became a lieutenant, I believe it was in 2019. I started off as our uh, patrol lieutenant, and then I switched back to our special operations lieutenant, which is oversees our uh, criminal investigators and our drug unit. Mm. And uh, I know folks on, at least on our radio, hear you a lot doing voice reports, so that's also part of your capacity? Yeah, one of the uh, um, ancillary duties that I do is, is one of two of our public information officers, myself and uh, one of our employees, uh, Aaron Kawara, are one of our PIOs, and so we do the media releases and you hear us on doing the voice recordings, and uh, so it's one of the other jobs I do. And so what would you say it's like working at the department? You know, I love working at the department. Um, I've been there 20 years and I haven't considered leaving. Um, I think it's a great place. I love Juneau. Uh, I mean, I grew up in Southeast Alaska, uh, specifically in Ketchikan, so it's very similar, maybe just a little bit bigger. Uh, but I like Juneau, used to the rain. Uh, but I think the department is great. I mean, we have great people that work there. Uh, we have great leadership. I think everybody's trying to do the best job that they can. Uh, and I'll continue to be there as long as I can and can still do a good job. So I look forward to it. Congratulations out to uh, Chief Mercer as well. Chief right. of the Year. Yeah, Police Chief of the Year. So that's a good accomplishment. And uh, our hope is, you know, when I talk about the police department, as people hear this and they've ever thought about careers in law enforcement or as a dispatcher or any other jobs that we have at the police department, um, they'd consider working there because it is a great place to work. And I think everybody goes there understands that. Um, so if you have a job or you know of anybody need a job, we have uh, positions open for police officers, dispatchers. We actually need a new um, mechanic. So that's the one we're trying to fill right now, uh, as well as some of our administrative positions are, are available, so. Very good. So National Night Out is next month. Tell us first about the night. What is it for? Yeah, so National Night Out is a national campaign designed to bring first responders and community members together, uh, really just kind of build um, build those relationships outside of a, any type of stressful environment. I mean, just kind of like low stress, hanging out, talking, getting to know the community members, getting to know the uh, emergency responders, just having a good time. That's really kind of the goal of it. So for Juno, what does that look like? So Juno, uh, we've been doing National Night Out for several years now, um, as long as I can remember. But we typically uh, send out information to the community, uh, try to solicit information if people want to hold block parties. Uh, block parties is kind of like they're going to host a get together for the area where they live, invite uh, neighbors uh, to hang out together. Um, and then police department and other first responders such as uh, Capital City Fire and Rescue. We get people with Alaska State Troopers. We get um, U.S. Coast Guard. We get people from the jail, probations, all kinds of first responders. Um, and public service employees will come together and we'll go down and meet with those um, block party groups, hang out, talk, maybe get some food, play some games, uh, let the kids look inside the, the cars and kind of just have a good time. And so 
if there's going to be some block parties, I imagine you'll need some captains. Yep. So uh, we currently have seven block parties, seven uh, block captains. So we appreciate everybody who stepped up. I uh, just wanted to host one of those. And uh, so, yeah, seven parties. We'll get to go attend and get to meet people. Very good. And, and uh, e- what do you what do you think of the event? You know, I think it's a great event. Uh, I think it's a really great time to just talk to people on a level to where you're not uh, preoccupied with work or some kind of stress event. Because typically when police, especially police uh, and fire and EMS, then they respond to residents or have contact with people or something and it's work related, there's some kind of stress going on. And I can speak for myself, People typically don't call the police because everything is going great. Uh, they just want to talk. It's typically because maybe a crime or some kind of disturbance or emergency is going on. And that's stressful. It's stressful on the community member. It can be stressful on police just because of the event itself. It's hard to really have good, meaningful uh, conversations. So I think it's a great time to be able to talk to people and just as people, right? You know, um, as police, we're just people, just like, you know, you are, I am, everybody else. And sometimes I think you lose that um, identity as a, a public servant in a uniform, but we are just people. And I think it's good to be able to talk and communicate with people on that level. And so what are the dates look at? people should look out for? National Night Out is, this year's gonna be August 2nd. Um, it's always the first Tuesday of, every, of, of August for every year. Uh, sometimes the dates change a little bit. And that's going to run from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. So during that time, we'll be going out and meeting with the different block parties. We typically uh, stay at a party for about 15 to 30 minutes, depending on how many we have total and how many volunteers we have. Uh, And then we'll just transition to other groups as time allows. Very good. So in in your mention of calling up, people don't really call up the police to just talk, but... It, over the weekend, there was that new uh, suicide hotline that had launched, uh, 988. Uh, what did you think of that? You know, I think that's a great resource. Uh, I'm excited to see how that uh, works here in Alaska and in Juneau specifically. Um, you know, mental health is something that is, um, it, it takes people with special skills and training to successfully deal with. I think it's in a lot of people's minds of, hey, we need we need people trained to deal with people who are in mental health crisis. And sometimes those resources aren't always available. And so it's nice to be able to have an additional resource for people to go to and to try to get help. And I think that's our goal is to try to help people who are in crisis. And, and when folks are having that mental health crisis, the, the department's moving towards having mental health professionals respond in those situations, right? You know, I think that would be uh, the goal on the long term where you can have people who can respond to those um, and then have police as a, as a support versus having the police as they, the main responders uh, because really that's not our their main responsibility. It's not our main job. But since you are, do you have police 24-7 that they sometimes get lumped into that role? And I know as a police officer, I would much prefer to somebody who's trained as a mental health uh, uh, professional to go and meet with those people as the primary 
definitely we can go as a secondary to help support those people to make sure things are safe. Uh, I don't think we're there yet uh, with you know having the groups that can do that because it takes a lot of staffing. But I think everybody understands that's where we'd like to go. And I think this 988 program is kind of a step in the right direction to uh, provide services for people. All right. Is there anything you'd like to add today? Nope. I think that's it. Thanks okay. for having me. Hey, well, thank you for coming in. Yep. And that's Craig Campbell, Lieutenant at the Juneau Police Department. On our next program, we'll be speaking with Juneau Representative Andy Story, so be sure to tune in. This is Kevin Allen for Action Line signing off.